You're listening to RTI Audio, powered by Rocky Top Insider. This is the RTI Press Pass with Rick Butler and Ryan Shumpert. Alright, and welcome into the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass Instant Reaction Show. Ryan Shumpert, Rick Butler, hanging out with you after this Tennessee-Kentucky game right here in Knoxville, Tennessee, in Neyland Stadium. Tennessee wins by a score of 44-6. to It really was just a beatdown. Ryan, once again, we are coming to you with a podcast. We are overlooking a clear and empty Neyland Stadium. We are here in the Visitor's Press Box, and I think you said it the best right when we walked in. There weren't a lot of happy memories in this specific press box here tonight. No, there weren't, and there really haven't been all season, uh, for that matter. But uh, less less tonight than probably just about any game. It, it, I'm not even sure Akron and UT Martin and Ball State were probably able to pull some moral victories on uh, at least a couple plays that went, went their way. There was no spin in it. A really tough night for the Kentucky Wildcats, and uh, what that means, a really, really strong night for the Tennessee Volunteers who dominated this one 44-6. Yeah, it it was a great night for Tennessee, and really there's so many things that we need to get into. By the way, you can also go and check our Instant Reaction video show. That is from the field of Neon Stadium, from the field of, uh, I guess it's Shield Watkins Field. Uh, That'll be over on the Rocky Top Insider YouTube account. But otherwise, Ryan, let's go ahead and break down this game a little bit, man. I think to me... The first thing that I think about when I think about this game, we've talked about the offense a lot this year and just how the offense has been dominant, how they have imposed their will on opposing teams. All that is still true with a 44, I guess this is a 38-point win today. But man, I think about the defense when I think about this game first. I think about just their tenacity, their aggressiveness, the simple fact that they, you know, Kentucky found that first touchdown in the fourth quarter and put up goose eggs for the rest of the game. It's pretty impressive. What did you think of just the way that Tennessee was able to play on the defensive end of the football today? Well, they really did what, what Byron Young said their goal was uh, after the game. They said, we want to stop the run, and then we want to see if Will Levis can beat us. And Tennessee did a great job of stopping the run. I mean, really, besides that one drive uh, where Kentucky scored a touchdown, they ran the ball really well on that drive. Besides that, did not run the ball well at all. Kentucky ends with 107 rushing yards. I don't have the numbers right in front of me. I imagine they ran for about 40, 45 yards on that one lone drive. Tennessee did that, and Will Levis certainly didn't have it, have it in him to beat the Vols tonight. And Tennessee, you know, they've, they've had a couple good defensive games this year. Pittsburgh won, obviously, that stands out. And LSU, the other one that stands out. Pittsburgh was obviously kind of a unique case because backup quarterback Nick Patty came in and played the second half. No, Tennessee hadn't shut down a quarterback like they had, like they did to Will Levis tonight. He threw for just 98 yards and probably more importantly threw for three interceptions uh, that really flipped the momentum, or maybe not flipped the momentum of the game, but allowed Tennessee to really, really it did allow them to flip, flip the momentum of the game a little bit there late in the second half with Jawan Mitchell's interception in the red zone that was returned across midfield, and then in the second half it really allowed them, allowed Tennessee to bury them. And the Vols were fantastic tonight defensively, and uh, to me that was really the story of the game. Yeah, you know, I felt like there's a lot of times in the game of football where you need an answer for what the opposing team is doing. Whether they're on offense or defense, we have seen opposing teams try to figure out an answer for Tennessee's offense. That hasn't been true as much on the defensive side of the ball, but I really felt like 
what Tennessee's defense was doing. And again, back to what I said a second ago, just the the tenacity that they were playing with, the aggressiveness. The, the, they had 11 guys on the field, but oftentimes it seemed like they had 15 or 16, just the way that guys were able to move around. I felt like they really stumped Kentucky and that Kentucky's offense did not have a lot of answers tonight in Neyland. No, it didn't. I mean, just ended the night with 205 yards. I mean, that's... That's not a 2022 college football stat. That's <laughs> 2002 and 1992 college football stat. And even then, those would have been you know really good defensive numbers. And I think Josh Heupel said as much. I think it started up front. Tennessee's defensive line was really good. I thought Dejon Terry had a really nice night. Uh, Byron Young, Tyler Barron also uh, did some strong things. And then in the back end, uh, Tennessee was, I guess, had more guys than they have. Jalen McCullough was back uh, starting at safety, but still, Christian Charles and Kamal Haddon, Tennessee's two starting cornerbacks, they dressed out, they went through warm-ups, they were available, but they didn't play tonight. And I think Danico Slaughter deserves a ton of credit. He's started at safety the last two weeks for uh, McCullough while he was out dealing with that legal situation, and uh, he slid over to corner tonight. It was really, really good. He had the interception early in the second half, and he also made the big hit that kind of uh, jarred the ball free and allowed uh, Jawan Mitchell to get the interception late in the first half down in the red zone. He was really strong, and you know it's crazy to say because he wasn't even really a starter. He was playing, but he wasn't a starter until uh, two weeks ago against Alabama. I think he's Tennessee's best uh, defensive back right now. Yeah, I, I would say so, just based on the recent activity and the way that he's been playing. I mean, you mentioned the, the two guys a second ago, and Tennessee does not have their two starting cornerbacks, or, or at least maybe their uh, maybe the guys who, who would have been preferred at different times in the year, but both of the guys who ended up starting tonight ended up getting interceptions. I mean, those were big turnovers. Brandon Turnage gets one, I believe, over on the far side uh, by the sideline, and then, of course, uh, Danico gets one as well. That was, uh, And you're right. There were a lot of plays that Danico made. I also thought that he had a, he, he, had, he made a big impact for that Juwan Mitchell interception as well. I mean, he, he, he hit the X button. He hit the right stick forward. He hit the hit stick. And uh, the Kentucky player went down like a like a sack of potatoes, and the ball kind of bounces out right to Juwan Mitchell, and then Juwan Mitchell is about to, and then he's able to go make a great return out of that as well. So I, I really felt like that was in this was a game where, no, we haven't really necessarily seen Tennessee's secondary being, you know, ball hawks, but man, they no. were able to to really make some plays happen uh, in this game and, and find three interceptions off of it. Yeah, I mean it was definitely the I mean definitely the best they've looked all year, and you know Will Levis didn't even throw for a hundred yards, so. They were really, really good, and I think credit goes to all those guys. When, when you look at that, right, when you look at Will Levis' stat line of 16 of 27, 98 yards, zero touchdowns, three interceptions, minus 22 rushing yards, although those were mainly sacks for the most part. I mean, well, why did that kind of game come to fruition? Did you see anything from Tennessee's defense that was like, yeah, this is why he didn't even have triple-digit triple passing yards? They were really effect, able to affect him in this kind of way. I think the pass rush was a big part of it, and Kentucky doesn't have a very good offensive line. And Tennessee got him under pressure a few times. They sacked him four times. They hit him hard a couple times as well. I think that was a big part of it. And you know, the other one, I think Danico Slaughter made two really, really impressive plays to uh, really jar that ball free on in the red zone and credit to Jawan Mitchell. That was you know a pretty nice interception. Obviously, Slaughter was the most important piece of that play to kind of put him in position, but it wasn't like that ball just went right into his lap uh, sure. after he got hit. He went down pretty low to the ground and made the play, and then the play down the sideline. I mean, that's a one-on-one jump ball, basically, and 
not sure how many times in the last few years we've seen Tennessee's defensive backs make really since Nigel Warrior was played in 2019 season a Tennessee defensive back make an interception on a one-on-one deep ball so I thought that was really nice Brandon Turnish talked about like him kind of baiting uh, Levis into that throw I didn't think Levis's decision making was very good tonight he easily could have thrown two more interceptions one that Jalen McCullough uh, baited him into on what I believe was that Kentucky's lone scoring drive of the game. Uh, I, I believe it was, too. Yeah, yeah. maybe a second down play uh, before Kentucky converted on third and maybe three or four. Uh, and then, obviously, Tamari McDonald uh, dropped what really would have been a pick six uh, late in the first half as well. So uh, I think uh, some of that goes into Tennessee, to answer your question, some of that goes into Tennessee's defensive line playing well, putting pressure on it. Some of it just goes to Levis not making very good decisions, which is probably the biggest weakness in this game. And then some of it just goes as simple as Tennessee making a couple really impressive plays as well. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. Tennessee's defense really has improved week to week throughout the season so far, and I think you've really seen that from the secondary to the linebackers to the to the defensive line. You can really take each one of those position groups and, and dive into each one about why they've been good, right? I think about the depth with the defensive line. I think about just the um, the what's the what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe the uh, surprise production of the linebacker unit, right? Aaron Beasley just playing his butt off this year. Juwan Mitchell coming back from injury and, and doing a great job in the middle of the defense there. And then, like you said, with the secondary, right? We, we've seen a lot of rotation from the secondary. They've had injuries. They've had suspensions. They've had a lot of stuff going on. But nonetheless, for them to be here in week nine, coming out of week nine, really with one of their best performances from the secondary uh, and from the defense as a whole, I, I think that is exactly what you want to take into Next week's game, which is the biggest game in, in college football this season. It is, and uh, I'm glad you brought up Jamal Mitchell because I thought tonight was the best game he, he's played. He led Tennessee with eight tackles, obviously had that interception. And okay. It just felt like he was around the ball a lot. I'll be interested to see what the PFF numbers, not that those are the end-all be-all, but I'll be interested to see what those say tomorrow morning because I, I thought he had a really nice night and really the best night of any of Tennessee's linebackers. Any other thoughts on the defensive side of the ball? I really think that's it. I mean, going back and looking at it, Amari Thomas had another sack tonight, and really him and boomed somebody earlier. He did. I mean, really both him and Dejon Terry were really good in Tennessee's interior tonight. That one drive where Kentucky moved the ball, ran the ball well, uh, was with Tennessee's backup defensive line, and for a lot of that drive, obviously they were substituting. And really, it it seemed like Kentucky only had its rushing success when it was that second defensive line, and uh, so a, a lot of credit to those two guys and. Uh, for really creating a lot of penetration in the middle and making some plays as well. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, let's flip to the offensive side of the ball. And, Ryan, I kind of want to start with one of Tennessee's wide receivers, a name that everybody at this point is extremely familiar with, and that is Jalen Hyatt. He added in two more touchdowns to his incredible run this season so far, upping his total at this point by the end of the Kentucky game to 14 total receiving touchdowns on the season. Now, here's the incredible part. With that second touchdown today, with that 14th touchdown, Jalen Hyatt now has the single most receiving touchdowns in a single season in Tennessee history. And man, there's still four regular season games to be played. I mean, it really is an incredible stat. It's an incredible run. It's an incredible, uh, I think, outcome from all the work that he's put in with this program, with his teammates, just by himself in in uh, in the program, in the facility, wherever it is. Jalen Hyatt was great tonight, I thought as always, but you also get the return of Cedric Tillman back, and I thought that was big. You know, Josh Heibel talked about it after the game. He said, you know, we did have a little bit, have him, Cedric Tillman, on a little bit of a pitch count. Obviously, I don't think that 
you know, especially once this game started to get out of hand and it was 27 to 6 at halftime, you didn't feel like you needed to put Tillman back in the game and, and have him, you know, go as hard as he normally would in any other kind of game. But he, Josh Apple did talk about a little bit about it. And I think Jalen Hyatt talked a little bit about it after the game as well, man. Even just having Tillman on the field, it messed with Kentucky's secondary and they were forced to focus on him. They were forced to put extra protection on him, which, man, it opens up the rest of these doors for this Tennessee offense. But those two guys in particular, you know, Cedric Tillman, I believe, only ended the game. Let's see, what was his stats? He ended the game with four catches for 22 yards. So certainly getting back into the swing of things, but Jalen Hyden ends with... 138 yards on on five receptions and two touchdowns. Jalen Hyatt is now your all-time Tennessee single-season touchdown receptions leader. He passes Marcus Nash from the 97 season, who had 13. Uh, yeah, and kind of crazy how wide open he got on those two touchdowns. Golly, today. it was and, extremely crazy. And, and really, Tennessee ran that same route with him three times, kind of a it's kind of weird to call it a will route for a Tennessee receiver with how far the splits are wide, but that, that was essentially what it was, kind of getting out to the sideline and getting down the sideline. He just got wide open three times, and obviously two of them ended up going for touchdowns, and uh, it, like you said, it's crazy. Tennessee's going to have anywhere from five to seven more games this season, and he's already broken the record, and you go back and look at it, and he's got nine touchdowns the last three games. Nine touchdowns the last three games. You go back and look the last ten seasons – Tennessee has had twice had a receiver have more than nine touchdowns in a year. Cedric Tillman had 11 last year, and then you go back to the 2016 season, I believe Josh Malone also had 11. Jawan Jennings had eight back in 2019, I think was about the next closest, and there really weren't a lot of those years. Tennessee's leading receiver had about four touchdowns, so it's just crazy the production he's had all year. It's crazy the production uh, he had tonight. Had a chance to uh, meet Chad Johnson, who's become one of his biggest fans, and some cool, cool post game uh, quotes from uh, Ocho Cinco. Yeah, some cool, some cool post game quotes from Hyatt talking about that, and uh, another strong night from him. And uh, I set it down on the field for our post game uh, wrap up. My favorite Saturday night. He had uh, John Hyatt had forty more receiving yards, and Will Levis had passing yards. Let that sink in for a minute. <laughs> Jalen Hyde had 40 more receiving yards than Will Levis had passing yards tonight. That really is an incredible stat and really just kind of is a, is a microcosm of, of what the Tennessee offense can do as a whole. Ryan, I'm going to give you a name, and I would like to tell me your thoughts on him. Jalen Wright. He is validating my take, which I haven't been overly public with, that he's the most talented running back in Tennessee's room, and if he can hold on to the football, he's the best running back in Tennessee's room. Now that kind of remains a, a struggle, and it's clear because of that, uh, Tennessee has more trust in Jabari Small right now. And, you know, I don't want to diminish Jabari Small. He's had a nice year. He's been really good in short yard situations. He, he's a real solid SEC back. But I think Jalen Wright's potential is just a, a good bit higher. He had, he had some really nice runs tonight. I mean, he got 73 yards on just seven carries, uh, a couple really explosive runs. Josh Heibel said as much that he's been a lot more physical, which was always the thing with him. He was a small kind of scat back coming in from North Carolina. Really a, just a, a mid-three-star recruit because of that size, and his speed was very apparent coming in. Uh, but it was how could he handle the physicality in the SEC. Now, I guess two-thirds of the way through his sophomore season, it seems like he's very much handling that physicality. That's not a question, and he's he's embracing it. He, I thought he had a really good night in a night where Tennessee ran the ball, for the most part, uh, really well. You know, I'll say he does a very good job of just staying on his feet. 
Good balance. Right? Like, that's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say, I don't know if it's balance or just, you know, a kind of hand-eye coordination or something else. I, I do absolutely think it's balance. But he really does a, an incredible job at keeping his feet under him, being able to absorb contact, even taking a, a shove and getting off balance a little bit, but being able to collect himself in the middle of taking that bump, regain his footing, and then be able to keep running the ball. He did that on uh, on a number of occasions tonight, and I was really impressed each time he did. Jalen Wright just... Uh, He's got that motor, right? And I think that's what you want out of a back like that. He's got a motor uh, that's hard to shut off. He does, and, and I don't want to... How's that for a sports cliche? That is pretty good. I mean, it's, we're sitting in here 12.52 at night. And, oh, my God. And it's, it's 1 a.m. 12.52 in the morning, and you pulled that one out. Uh, credit to you for that one. Cheers. You, you deserve to crack open that Coke you're about to get into. Thank you. Um, I don't want to make the comparison quite yet because I haven't seen it consistently. But a couple of those runs he had tonight, he looked a lot like Alvin Kamara. Just the balance where he gets hit and he kind of stumbles a little bit, but he he doesn't go down. His he, legs don't stop moving. It's his, incredible. His legs don't stop moving. And it's not in the sense that I think when you typically hear that phrase, his legs don't stop moving, you're thinking about driving the pile. It's not that. It's him taking contact from the third level, maybe a safety, and it, him moving and him kind of being off kilter I guess would maybe be yeah, the right off word center, whatever. off center it would be the right word but him being able to remain balanced and like you said keep driving his legs and picking up more yards he had a really a really nice night and like I said as you brought it up he's the guy with the most potential in this Tennessee running back room and as he gets better and he gets more comfortable this offense just it's just going to become all the more dynamic yeah no doubt about it a, a real nice two-headed monster right there with Jabari Small and Jalen Wright they combined for uh, looks like a little over 150 yards uh, on the ground tonight and then Hindenhooker adds in 23 from himself with his own legs that's how you get to the 177 total rushing yards from the Tennessee offense run any other kind of final thoughts or, or takeaways from the game anything that you want to get into uh, a couple more actually we'll, we'll start on Tennessee offense and, you know, we've had a few of these games, Pittsburgh game, go back to the Purdue game, the City Bowl, just shows how much better Tennessee's quarterback play is, how good Hooker is, how good this system Josh Heupel has is. Didn't really feel like Hooker played his best tonight. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't go as far as saying I didn't feel like he played well, because I do think he played well. Uh, but just wasn't, it just wasn't his best. He missed a couple throws. Uh, yeah, a couple of errant ones. A couple errant throws. He took one sack in particular that was very uncharacteristic of him. Uh, I think it was came right... Uh, after one of the turnovers where Tennessee was in good scoring position and they weren't able to capitalize on it and because he took a first down sack and then I think eventually on third down uh, maybe even uh, kind of skipped one uh, to Jalen Hyatt on a curl route at the sticks. So he wasn't his best, but with that being said, he threw six incompletions for 245 yards and three touchdowns. Didn't put a ball in harm's way. Nothing that came close to being intercepted. And then, like you said, it ran for 23 yards, including a rushing touchdown. So it wasn't his best night. It wasn't Tennessee's offense best that night. Uh, let's see if I can go back and find the quote. I thought it was really funny. Josh Heupel in his uh, opening statement tonight. Defensively, I thought uh, they, referring to his team, did an unbelievable job controlling and dominating the line of scrimmage. Uh, did a great job matching out guys on the back end. Played real ball tonight and just suff suffocating defense. It was fun to watch those guys. Special teams did a great job. They created plays here early in the part of the season, talking about Kentucky here, through their return game, and our guys did a great job. Paxton Brooks was awesome all night and our, co and our cover units. Offensively, did enough to score enough points to get a good one. He wasn't very complimentary of his offense. You could tell he had a lot of things he wanted to clean up, and there were a lot of things to clean up. Tennessee's offense has been phenomenal in the red zone this year. They weren't 
I wouldn't say they were bad tonight, but they had a couple. They had to settle for a field goal twice. Chase McGrath missed one of those field goals. Uh, they just weren't the most polished. They didn't. A uh, few chances off of turnovers, having a chance to really uh, kind of bury Kentucky in the second quarter. They didn't do it. But with all that being said, Tennessee scored 44 points tonight against one of the three, probably at the, at the worst one of the four best defenses in, yeah. in the SEC. So that shows how good, how dynamic, how explosive the Tennessee offense is. That you're sitting back here after a 44-point game, and both Josh Heupel and myself is kind of like, a lot of good, but not, not near their best. Yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. You know, we were kind of talking during the game, and, and especially during the first half, we just kind of made a couple couple quick remarks to each other. We just said, you know, I, maybe Hinton isn't perfectly dialed in, right? Maybe not up to 100%. He's, he's not bad by any means or anything like that. But, you know, maybe he's just taken a second to, to find his footing in this game. Then at halftime, we look at the stats, and he's 12 of 14 with, with over 100 yards. And you're just like, man, even when this offense is not – you know, not executing perfectly or not executing to the best of their uh, their ability or the best that they want to, man, it's still a very productive offense, and there still are pieces. I think one of the big things that you see is with Tennessee's explosive plays. They hit more tonight. One of them being the, what was that, like the fourth or fifth play of the game? Fifth play of the game, yeah. There you go, fifth play of the game with Hyatt's touchdown. I mean, there, there was nobody within his zip code when he caught that ball and took it into the end zone. It was just a, a great scheme and a great uh a great route by Jalen Hyatt, but you know, at the end of the day, that that was a that was a crazy situation. It was, and uh, you know, Hinton Hooker in his post game press conference, it's kind of a it's kind of a broken record at this point. It's a lot of the same quotes every week about just coming in and doing a job, not getting ahead of ourselves. We still have a lot to work to do, and I thought it was funny at one point. I'm sure this was unintentional, but it was kind of funny given the matchup next week. He said. Kind of, we're just like we're just like a mailman. We're just going in every day and trying to do our work. Obviously, Stetson Bennett, Georgia's quarterback, nicknamed the mailman. Uh, so I thought that was kind of a uh, a funny connection. That I, it was a funny analogy that Hooker used to begin with, just saying that we well, just got to be like mailmen. We just got to show up and do our jobs. And yeah, said I'm sure he wasn't thinking about it when he said it, but kind deliver. of deliver, deliver like the mailman, deliver like the mailman, and, and it's kind of ironic that that comes yeah. uh, a week before the biggest. <laughs> Uh, the biggest matchup of the season in college football in Athens, Georgia, what I expect will be number one versus number two in the country when the college football playoff rankings come out on Tuesday night. And uh, a game that will be plenty of time for us to talk about it, but uh, a game that, that was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, so just kind of, again, Tennessee defeats Kentucky by a score of 44-6 to tonight. We've gone over a lot of the offense. We've gone over a lot of the defense. Ryan, final thoughts on the game today? Yeah, it's the one thing we didn't hit on the special teams. There we and, go. And they... It was a little bit of an up-and-down night. You know, Chase McGrath missed an extra point. Now, granted, it, it was after a holding on the original extra point, so it, it equated to what was a 30-yard field goal. He missed another field goal try uh, from what I want to say was just maybe under 40 yards, somewhere in that range. Uh, does seem like the last two weeks he hasn't been at his best. Uh, uh, but uh, overall, uh, special teams was really, really good. Paxton Brooks uh, pins Kentucky inside their five-yard line twice. Tennessee, just like the quote I read from Josh Eichel, Kentucky's return game has been really good this year, and Tennessee did a good job of limiting that tonight. And then I think uh, I talked about it probably a little more eloquently. It was a couple hours ago now uh, down in the field in our post-game show. But uh, <laughs> I Tennessee doesn't try to kick touchbacks. They don't want Paxton Brooks to kick the ball into the end zone. They want him to kick it short, and they want him to kick it short enough. They want to kick it high and short enough where Kentucky or opponents have to return it, and they want to go flying down the field and make a play short of the 25-yard line. 
I think that's such a, a accurate representation of this Tennessee team. Uh, just the aggressiveness that they have. Aggressiveness on offense with the tempo, the way they are consistently attacking teams. Uh, aggressiveness with the defense and the way they love to blitz uh, all the time. And aggressiveness on special teams with, we don't want to give you the ball at 25-yard line. We want to pin you a little deeper, and we're not afraid of you having a longer turn. Yeah, you know, it's just that it's that mentality that I think you've seen so much from this Tennessee program. And, and from the coaches to the players to the assistants and everything else in between, it is an aggressive team. It's an aggressive program. I talked about it at the, be- at the very beginning of the podcast today. The tenacity, I, I think, in all phases of the game is really starting to show up in an advantageous way for Tennessee. So no doubt about it, Ryan, I, I completely agree with you, man. Special teams was a, a bright spot tonight. It was, and uh, I guess Paxton Brooks did have a kick out of bounds uh, would be the other one. But, hey, that's yeah. that's the nature of it. You're trying to cough and, you're trying to cough and corner people to do what I just said, to, to set them up to not have good returns. And a, a rule that has never made sense to me, touchback used to be 20-yard line. Kicks out of bounds and went to the 35-yard line. Mm-hmm. Change the touchback to twenty-five yard line. Still a thirty-five yard line. We kick it out of bounds. <laughs> it's only a, it's only a ten-yard penalty kicking out of bounds. So it, it, it's well worth the risk that Tennessee runs by doing that. And long thought this need to change that rule to where you get the ball at the forty-yard line. Adjust it. Adjust it. Add the extra five yards. A little bit. If you're going to add extra five yards in touchback. Yeah, I kind of agree. Yeah, kind of agree. It's just logic. It's just simple. It does. Look, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I'm tired. <laughs> I woke up this morning in Frisco, Texas. It's one a.m. in the morning. I still have more work to do after this. But I, I know enough logic to put that together. You did wake up in Frisco today, didn't you? I did, yeah. So That's far away. That's very far away. And the sun didn't, does, didn't shine in Texas when I was there, so I'm <laughs> glad to be back in the volunteer state where the, the sun was shining and the temperature was uh, warmer. Uh, I will have to. Uh, I'll have to agree with you there. All right, my friend, let's go ahead and, uh, and wrap this thing up and, and get out of here. Again, number three Tennessee defeats. Number 19, Kentucky by a score of 44 to 6. Real quick bonus. Uh, Ryan, you, you might have already said this today. You've said a lot of things today. Uh, prediction for Tuesday? I think Tennessee's going to be number one. And the college football playoff ranking has always been a lot about your resume, your what you've done to that point, not about your, not a, a power rating, not your overall skill. And Tennessee, sure. we'll see what the line is at tomorrow. The early looks at the line has had what Georgia anywhere from 12, 13-point favorites over Tennessee. But I think when you look at the body of work from Tennessee, Ohio State, and Georgia, who are clearly going to be the top three teams in the rankings, Tennessee's body of work is is better than than both those teams. So I expect Tennessee to be number one. I expect Georgia to be number two. And uh, game of the century vibes right there. And and who would have thought? I mean, I thought maybe... Danico Slaughter was great in postgame tonight, and Brandon Turnage had a great quote too, but I thought Danico Slaughter and his many funny quotes and entertaining stuff he said, he was asked, you were, he was the only guy, who, he was up there with Byron Young, Hinton Hooker, and Turnage. He said, you were, he was asked, you were the only guy that was here in 2020 uh, when Tennessee went 3-7. and seven. Are you surprised that you all have gotten this good this quickly? And he said, yes. Yes, <laughs> I, I am surprised. And I think, I think just about everybody, uh, at least outside the building, is surprised that Tennessee has been able to turn it around so quickly. And uh, they've done a lot of really, really good things this year. And, and the, the biggest test comes next week where they try to, just like when what Josh Heibel told Hinton Hooker, when Hooker told him he's coming back, let's get to Atlanta. The has got to win in Athens next week if they want to make the trip. What, about 60 miles uh, yeah. west of Athens to Atlanta the first week of December? That's exactly right. Yep, I, I think Danico is probably speaking for a lot of people when he said that. And by the way, if you want to go and check out that interview with Danico Slaughter, Hendon Hooker, Byron Young, and Brandon Turnage after the game against Kentucky, you can go find that on Rocky Top Insider's YouTube account. 
That is super easy to find. But by the way, in that same line, if you want to go and figure out anything from this Tennessee-Kentucky game, all of the post-game news notes and coverage that you could want, go ahead and check out RockyTopInsider.com. It's a great place for all of your Tennessee news and notes. Ryan and I will have will be posting stuff there all night, so it'll be ready for you on Sunday morning, which is probably when you're listening to this podcast, probably around then. Heck, it's even Sunday morning right now as I'm saying this. So, Ryan, I'm going to go ahead and uh, stop rambling. We're going to get the heck out of here. We're going to finish up this work. And, uh, and we're going to get ready for next week. Again, number three, Tennessee defeats number 19, Kentucky, by a score of 44-6, to moving on to 8-0 overall, 4-0 in the SEC, with Georgia up next, next week in Athens. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Do not forget to leave us a rating and subscribe. Hey, go ahead and even share the show with a friend if you would like to, if you feel so inclined. Otherwise, we're going to get out of here. For Ryan Shumpert, I'm Rick Butler. This has been the RTI Instant Reaction Press Pass.